they were hired at a time when they could be paid lots and lots of money for doing very, very little and having almost no accountability. And at the end of the day, when these companies were looking around at who do we cut, these were the folks that they decided to cut. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's going to get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you want to get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new businesslunchpodcast.com website, and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www.businesslunchpodcast.com, and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. Hey, everybody. Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice here with another episode of Business Lunch. We are going to talk about some fun stuff today. Ryan, uh, I know you and I were kicking this around, so kind of true to our business lunchy type format. Why don't we share a little bit of the topic and then we'll dive into some conversation on it. Yeah, I mean, so I want to hear your take on just all these layoffs that are happening at these really big tech companies. Uh, I forget the exact number, but I think uh, Google just announced that they're going to be laying off like 14,000 people or something like that. I know Microsoft did a big layoff at Amazon. It seems like the only one that hasn't done layoffs is Apple. You know, Facebook announced layoffs. It just, it seems like it's finally come. So I would, I think it'd just be worth chatting about, you know, what does this say about the economy? What does this say about running, you know, the need to run lean and just, you know, so what are some lessons we can maybe learn those of us who are, you know, operators and CEOs from these big companies and then what opportunities, if any, does it present for smaller companies? I mean, there's obviously going to be a lot of talent out there, all of the above. And I just, you know, kind of, again, open it up to you. Like, what are your kind of, what's your initial take? Any, any feelings on, on that? Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Uh, so I, I think I also saw that Goldman Sachs was laying off thousands of people. Uh, I saw that Salesforce was as well. So it's, and I was trying to, I, I was trying to think of a couple non-tech, but across the board, I think what's happening is that you're seeing, you're seeing all of these companies that kind of bulked up and panicked a little bit when there was a labor shortage because a lot of people got let go when the, it's, it's interesting to see how reactive most businesses are, right? Cause it's, pandemic, early 2020, oh my gosh, we got to let everybody go. So across the universe of companies from hospitality and everything that you could think of, they let a lot of people go. Then it's like, oh crap, the world didn't end. We still need people to do things. So then they're all scrambling to hire back and they're overpaying and paying premiums, kind of like in the housing market where it's like people were offering 40% over listing price without even an inspection requirement, having never seen the house. That's kind of how I think they were hiring. And so now the um, we're facing a potential correction or even recession, depending on who you follow. Definitely things are slowing down a bit from 21 and 22, because that was 
and a kind of a weird time when a lot, a lot, a lot of demand was created from stimulus payments and, and, and other things that were very artificial. So now we're getting back to like the, the for reals economy. It's interesting to see because I think they're saying now, you know, oh gosh, we've got to lean up because interest rates have gone so much. So now we can't borrow money to operate and fund new initiatives and expansions and acquisitions at the rate that we were before. We can't make as many mistakes because money is two to four times as expensive as it was just a little bit ago. And therefore we've, we've got to maybe lean up a little. And also I think that it's because they hired a lot of these people without doing an inspection effectively, right? It's like they got a lot of people that are underperformers and Goldman Sachs and uh, Facebook and Twitter. A lot of people said that, right? It's like, man, we just got to trim the fat. I mean, I don't even know what half these people do. And I know you and I have gone through this a few times in our business. Uh, I think, didn't we have 50 extra people that we just kind of couldn't figure out what they were doing at Digital Marketer at one point? Yeah, it was it was across more companies than just DM, but but yeah, and I think this happens. It, it happens at companies when you you know people will panic buy, people will panic sell, um, and I don't want to compare. Look, I don't want to compare people to toilet paper, although that's kind of what I'm going to do. But I'm not suggesting <laughs> it's from a value perspective. But <laughs> well, no, I mean, let's go back. You talked about pandemic, right? Remember when like toilet paper was super scarce, you just couldn't find it. And so what do people do? They, they overbought toilet paper. It's like, you generally know how much of that stuff you use. You know, they were overbuying as though toilet paper would never be available ever again. Like it they was were labor truly, hoarding. Yeah, hoarding. And, and so I think what we saw happen with talent is there was a hoarding of talent as yeah. though this talent that was out there was truly finite that if uh, if you didn't hire this person, they were going to go to the competition and everybody saw that as just being an across the board bad thing, right? Like more talent automatically equaled more growth. And I think the first right. lesson that we, I think there's a lot of lessons here. I think one of them is don't, just don't let FOMO get the better of you, you know, and this time and time again, when businesses take strategic advice, and I'm throwing up the air quotes right now, when businesses take strategic advice from the competition, um, not even because the competition saying that they should do something, but because the competition is signaling that they're doing it. It's almost always a bad thing, right? Yeah. Especially when all of your competitors are doing it, right? When all right. of your competitors are, you know, kind of panicking, freaking out, getting a little bit frenetic and twitchy, joining them in the frenetic twitchiness is probably a bad move, almost no matter what they're doing. And that's especially true when they're hiring. So I think we saw that. I think we saw we saw that, and that's a lesson that we've all got to learn. I think the other lesson that a lot of companies learned is that more people does not necessarily equal growth. In fact, yeah. oftentimes it equals the opposite. It's it is the opposite of profit growth. for sure, right? Because you, you might get growth, but yeah, also ultimately got to make money. And I think that's the other thing that's coming back to these guys is that, you know, hey, you know, we we need to have a return on this labor that we've got. Yeah. And we're not really seeing that right now. Well, that was that was the I think that's the question that everybody's asking now. Everybody for the first time in a few years is saying, what is the return on this investment? whether that investment is a factory or that investment is ad spend or that investment is uh, some type of capital expenditure, you know, equipment, whether that investment is a person, right? 
everybody is now expected to generate some type of return. And that simply wasn't the case, you know, when the mandate from Wall Street was just grow at all costs and, you know, money was basically uh, free. And, and so I'd love for you, because you mentioned something earlier, I'd love for you to, to dive a little bit deeper on why does rising interest rates, why has that sort of created this, this dynamic? What, what are the forces at play there? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's 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 just that businesses generally will seek to fund their growth from one of two primary sources once they get mature if they're not bootstrapping, like real businesses. They'll typically do it through either equity sales or debt. And so they're going to either look to go out and raise money by selling more of their uh, stock and that in today's market with stocks kind of crashing down and particularly in the tech space, it's become significantly more expensive than it was before. Think about if your stock fell 50%, it literally costs you twice as much today to sell stock to raise money as it did the day before it fell. And think about, and you've got some pretty significant stock declines that have been going on. Now, if you think about the same thing with interest rates, if the interest rates were effectively, you could borrow at 2.5% before, and now you're borrowing at 7.5, it's costing you three times as much now to borrow money to fund your growth that it did just a year or so ago. And so all of that, I think, is creating people who were hiring ahead of growth, thinking that the growth that was happening in 21 and 22 was going to continue and seeing it slow, like dramatically, you look at Tesla cutting prices significantly on their cars and Apple coming out with new products. And it's shockingly not more expensive than it was before holding prices, as I recall on iPhones and things like that. It, it's pretty clear that additional money from growth is not in the immediate future. And yet the cost of funding the people in particular that they hired in advance in anticipation of future growth now is very, very palpable and significantly more than it was before. And by the way, people aren't like capital assets. Capital assets, like we need a new factory. We're going to make our own chips. Great. How much does that cost? It costs a billion dollars. Fantastic. Let's sell stock and borrow some money. Now that's all that cost. We've got to operate it, right? But that CapEx, that was a fixed, typically not ongoing expense, but that labor isn't. The labor is recurring expense that's going to happen every single payday. And so it's got a couple of things. One, there's an immediacy to cutting labor that doesn't exist with defunding a CapEx planned project, right? That CapEx thing, we bought land, we've got it, we might have to sell it in this market, we're going to take a huge loss, you know, we've got contracts that we've committed to with people to build and things like that, or, you know, or we bought the car, or we bought the machine, or whatever, and now we have it, and it's done. But with the labor, it's like, we have it, and we've got to pay for it every single week, and um, that's a problem because now we've got to continue to fund that. We already had the funding for the CapEx, and we maybe had the funding for the initial hires, but then we anticipated the return on the people was going to pay for them, and now it's not. 
So they're saying, you know, and, and it's costing us two, three times as much to have them. That I think they're just saying, you know, we got to let this go. And by the way, there's been a huge dial down on all the crazy perks that they had before from cereal bars and foosball tables to in workplace re uh, restaurants and all of that kind of stuff. Like that's all gone. Signing bonus, all that stuff. Now for the cream of the crop, it's all still there, right? But it's just kind of, I think it's just coming back to a, an actual sustainable normal more than anything. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of a lot of stuff. It's interesting to plot. We've talked about this in, in past episodes about stock market and growth numbers. And if you were to just sort of draw draw a line from where it was pre-pandemic and where it is now, most things are still up. There's just the big dip from the crazy highs of when all the cash was being infused, you know, what, $3 right. trillion dollars was being infused in the, into the economy by the government. Um, yeah. And so I think on I, one hand, it's we're just returning back to what should have been. Yeah. Right. I think a, uh, on a one great hand, though. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think a great example of all this is Peloton. Peloton. Yeah. Oh, pandemic God, yeah. happens. Everybody's in their house. People want to buy our stuff, you know. Okay, great. Let's build a ton of these things. Fantastic. We're selling them like hotcakes. Value goes through the roof. Nobody's thinking, you know, it's a very short-term world, right? Value goes through the roof. Let's build a billion-dollar factory. Let's hire all these people. And then, boom. Wait a minute. People can go out and ride real bikes again and not die. They're not buying our stuff. Holy crap. We got to sell that, right? I want you to finish what you're saying, but like that to me is the perfect, just from the stock market, from the employee, from the employer, you know, from CapEx to labor, that kind of, that company in particular just personifies what you and I are talking about right now. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that's an aspect of it, right? With, with these layoffs, I, th I think, you know, cause people are going to say, oh, you know, it's the economy, it's the slowdown. We're dealing with a little bit of chicken and egg thing. Right. I mean, is it the slowdown and that's what's causing it or is this happening and that's what's creating a slowdown? I'll let the economists argue over that. That I don't you know, I don't necessarily care. I don't think that that, you know, the causational force matters as much, especially to our listeners and entrepreneurs and, you know, investors. Here's the other piece, though, because I do think some aspect of it is like coming back down to earth. And, and in this, I guess I'm defining earth as pre pandemic. But I would argue that Earth is actually even lower than, than pre-pandemic. And I think a good case for this is what Elon Musk has done at Twitter. So check this out. I was just looking at, uh, looking at this. I think this is an article from, from thestreet.com. This is from back in, in uh, January. I'll check the date. Yeah, so back in January, you know, they reported that Twitter was down about 5,200 5, full-time employees. So they had lost effectively 5,200 full-time employees down from 7,500 um, all the way down to like 2,300. So down to effectively what, 25, 30% of what they were before. And some suggest yep. that it's, it's even lower and that happened over the course of two months, right? Now, here's what's interesting. Twitter as a company, are they less effective you know, at providing their service to, you know, to their end user? I don't think so. Some could say they're making less money and they've lost some advertisers. And there were lots of, you know, kind of political, cultural reasons that that might have happened. But their their usership isn't down. You know, I believe, in fact, it's up. So there's they're supporting more daily active users. They're actually releasing 
features and products at a faster rate. And assuming those advertisers come back, they're going to be every bit, generate every bit as much revenue with, you know, a third of the people. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of businesses, uh, CEOs that are looking at this, both public and private companies and saying, gosh, I bet we could do the same. Do we really need all this headcount? Whether you're a technology company think, or not, you're surely think, tech and think, think about uh, so this, Ryan. Say, so let's say that there are, that's 5,000 people that got let go and they don't make a little bit of money there. They, they make, let's say it's a hundred thousand on average. Cause some of them were making three, four, 500,000 plus equity and all that's, I don't know if you can see that or not. It doesn't look like it'll focus, but $500 million a year. Yeah. I mean, holy crap, right? Think about that. 500 million, half a billion dollars a year. So let's say he lost a half a billion dollars in advertisers. No problem, right? Pretty, yeah. I mean, when you start doing the math on that, it's like, oh my gosh. It's really simple. So the company was losing 4 million a day before Musk got there. My guess is the average, the average is much higher than 100,000 is my guess. And so these reductions probably just instantly made it, you know, made it uh, cash flow positive. Now, in addition to that, there's $1.5 billion of, they were losing 4 million a day, okay. 4 million so, a day, according to, to Elon. So if we, uh, if we divided the 500 million, and, and as you said, I bet it's a lot higher, but if we divided that over 365 days, that'd be a million four a day that they got back. So not a bad move, even though everybody's like, he's so stupid and he, everybody's running because it's like, man, he's just managing a business the way it's supposed to be managed. Yeah. And, and I think what, what they looked at, and, I, and so I guess I think my theory, I think what we're seeing here is a lot of, a, a lot of CEOs and a lot of boards are looking at Elon Musk and they're looking at, at, tw at the example of Twitter and they're going, I bet we could do everything we're doing now with 30 to 50% of the, of the overhead we have. Yeah. And they're using the economy as a reason and the slowdown as a reason to just go ahead and, and make the cuts realizing that they made the same mistake that everyone made. Now, will this kind of cause there to be, you know, uh, you know, a greater recession? I actually don't think so because we're not seeing these cuts in hospitality. We're not seeing these cuts in manufacturing. Really, we're not seeing these cuts in the other areas of the economy. We're only seeing the cuts at the overbloated, overvalued tech companies. So I guess I look at this and I see it as this is a really great lesson for, for entrepreneurs to remember. Don't take advice from your employees. Don't hoard or the media. ever. If you find yourself grasping, it's, you're probably doing it wrong, right? You know, in addition, ask every investment to be accountable, even when money is cheap, because sometimes it's not cheap. Sometimes the price goes back up. Only always. So I think the thing that that everybody who's listening or watching could, could think about here is like, how does this apply to me is exactly what Ryan was saying is, could we ask yourself the question, what would happen if we cut our workforce by 50%? Could we be more effective? Could we continue to have the growth initiatives or the product development or the R and D initiatives that we want to have or need to have to grow, but not, maybe the ones that are moonshots. That was one of the big things I noticed with Google is they really cut back on their moonshot department. And now they're really focusing company-wide on AI because they are getting their 
you know, they're getting their lunch handed to them by OpenAI and these other companies. And, you know, there's no reason that Google shouldn't have had a million users on their AI platform in five days, but they didn't, right? They could have, they had the cash, but they didn't. Now, Microsoft, who basically has come into OpenAI as the white knight of, you know, let us fund you forever. And by the way, we're going to provide you our servers, our Azure servers. And by the way, we're going to integrate you into our also ran search engine and maybe make it more relevant and useful than Google's in no time. You talk about disruptive, right? But that wasn't something that just came out of the blue. Google's got its own AI platform. They just didn't get off the stick and do it. They're building driverless cars and other crazy you know, things. Not that that's crazy, but I mean, think about that, right? So I think that that's the interesting thing that we should all be asking ourselves. And labor creep is something I've seen for years. I watched it with my father owned a law firm and they would get, they'd have like three attorneys and then they'd have six attorneys and seven paralegals and 14 legal secretaries and a you know librarian and and he'd go in and he'd be like, man, we don't need all this stuff. And then they'd get rid of all of them. And all, the only thing that happened was more clients came in. And I've watched that in business after business and, and even in our businesses as well. So you've probably got labor creep in your business right now. You may have been a talent hoarder during the pandemic time, and you may be able to save significant money by taking a long, hard look at your labor needs and saying, can we function with fewer people? And so I think if you do those three things, that would be a good way to, to get a return on this. I'd also like, Ryan, to talk about what are some of the opportunities that this creates for the companies that could take advantage of this new supply of people who are either coming out into the labor force or deciding to go into business for themselves. Because the cool thing, and you mentioned this, the cool thing is, is that it's not like these people are all going to go file for unemployment and not know what to do for a living. What's going to happen is that you've got a whole lot of smart people that are going to start a lot of new businesses. You've got a whole lot of smart people that are going to say, hey, what if I did something for myself? Or they might switch into other jobs, but it's not going to be a flooding of unemployment just because all these people are suddenly out there. They're, they're very marketable, skilled people, right? So what do you think, Ryan, the, some of the opportunities for people who are, are in our audience might be to use this, these events to actually become an exciting profit opportunity? Well, so I think if you if you serve small businesses and you serve entrepreneurs, this is going to be another surge of of people into that into that group. It's been a trend across, almost across the board, especially in software, but in a lot of services as well, to go up market. Right, you might start in in SMB, you might move to mid market, but eventually everybody wanted to be wanted to sell to enterprises. Why? Because most of the sales that happen to enterprises are done on a seat license basis. And what was happening at all the enterprises? Well, they were hiring. And so what that meant is if you sold into enterprise, whatever you build them this year, it was going to be more next year because they were all hiring. Well, that looks a lot, sec lot less sexy now, right? And so what I think that we're going to see is renewed opportunities for those who are serving the small businesses and for those who are serving entrepreneurs. Because I, I agree with yeah. you. I think a, a large chunk of these folks who got laid off are going to start their own businesses. They're going to partner up. Uh, they're going to find jobs with, you know, with small businesses. 
That being said, as an employer, as you know, somebody who hires people, I personally would be very, very, very slow to hire somebody from one of these companies who recently got laid off into a smaller entrepreneurial company. And this is might sound cruel, and I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance. I mean, I guess I already kind of sort of compared people to toilet paper, but this is my this isn't going to help. But I'll apologize, I guess, to anybody listening who got who got laid off. I'm sure that if you're listening to this, I'm sure what I'm about to say doesn't apply to you. But here's the sad reality about a lot of the people who got laid off from from these companies. They were hired at a time when they could be paid lots and lots of money for doing very, very little and having almost no accountability. And at the end of the day, when these companies were looking around at who do we cut, these were the folks that they decided to cut. And that either means that they were on projects that the company didn't want to invest anymore because these big companies know these projects are not the future. That's a little bit scary because it's like, do I want to hire somebody who was, you know, on a VR, you know, AR, you know, virtual reality type project? I know that was a big chunk of who Microsoft cut. Well, no, we don't do that, you know, and yet that's what they had invested their time in. So they're either skilled in an area that these big companies are saying, we're not going to invest in that anymore. So that's a little scary. Or they're just kind of surplus middle management type folks who likely are still going to believe that they're worth their previous paycheck. And it's yeah. sort of like somebody who's trying to sell their house back in you know the run-up in 2021, and they still believe their house is worth what it was in 2021. Well, it just isn't. And it never was. And so I don't think I want to be the next place that these folks land. And I yeah. know that sounds harsh, but I think some of them, I hope they all find work. I hope they do great stuff. I just don't think I'd want to take a flyer on one of them just because they came from a big company. Uh, so that's, yeah, uh, so that's I'll, I'll, uh, a couple of things there too. You and I know because we have over the years hired people <laughs> who were in top or key positions at other companies that got let go. And I can't think of a single one of those people that worked out in any kind of good way. Also, I know that several people have hired people that have left our companies and most of those didn't work out in a very good way. And not that the people are bad or anything. It's just that they probably were underperformers. And so if you're looking for top performers, I don't think you're going to ever get that from somebody else's cuts. Uh, involuntary cuts, right? I think that's just not going to happen. So there's always exceptions. That sounds harsh, but right now, if you, especially right now, when I would be very, very slow to hire, period, across the board, right? We're talking about do more with less. I think a metric that everybody should look at very closely and know by heart is, you know, what is your revenue per employee and your profit per employee? And, and if you were to say, well, what if we wanted to double that? I mean, two ways to double it. You can double your sales without increasing your employee count or like you said earlier, have our employee count or some combination. So I think we should be looking at lean. If you're going to look at lean, I don't know that I'd be super quick to, to load up on a lot of folks who were just let go from these companies. That's awesome. Well, I hope you guys found that helpful today. We thought that we were talking about it just kind of amongst ourselves and thought that it would be a really good topic to share with you guys. If you found this helpful, please share share the episode with your friends and other people that you know. We would love to spread the word about Business Lunch. And if you'd like to find out more about how to do these kinds of things or think about these things or even have tools that'll help you with these things. There's a lot of great information on businesslunchpodcast.com. If you want to give a comment 
business, 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 lunch, podcast.com forward slash ask lets you ask us questions or even give comments. We'd love to hear from you. And then also there's a whole bunch of information over at scalable.co, not.com, but.co. We also do private consulting and our evil plan and doing everything that we do ultimately leads to, we like doing deals with people. So we love to acquire companies. We love to work with people to grow their companies and sell them for wonderful exits. And if that's stuff that you're interested in, let us know about that too. And you can do that either at any of our social media or at businesslushpodcast.com as well. That's it for today. Thank you guys for being here. Ryan, good talking to you as always. Always. <laughs>